Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're your friendly HR dashboard company that's helping to make all of you HR people leaders out there more data-driven. We know that you always want to provide this unified and comprehensive data-driven view of your workforce, but a lot of the times it's super difficult for you because you're dealing with a lot of messy spreadsheets. And like a lot of HR leaders that have told me, you didn't get into HR to learn how to build pivot tables. So that's why Employee Cycle is providing you your all-in-one HR dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. Systems like ADP, Paylocity, Bamboo HR, Namely, Zenefits, Trinet, Lever, 15.5, Greenhouse, Lattice, you name it. We simply can pull all your data from all your different systems into one dashboard so you and your HR team can easily view, share, track, and analyze all that data from one place. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out, learn more, get a demo. We would love to chat with you to explore how we can help automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Christy Bird. She's the VP of HR at US Fitness. And today we're discussing how to provide a safe work environment without forcing employees to get vaccinated. Christy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about our discussion today and and, and nerding out together a little bit. Let's get nerdy. (laughs) But before we nerd out on this topic, Christy, we got to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Oh, wow. I'll try to give you the uh, abridged version. I started out in a career in the law. I was a litigator uh, for a big law firm for several years. And really through my career there, started to have an interest in labor and employment matters in particular, but also looking at the legal landscape and noticing that so many times in uh, cases that I was working on where I would think, oh man, like if there was just someone in-house at these companies that could pick up the phone and call each other, they could, you know, mediate or work through conciliation on these things. It wouldn't have to be here with this costly litigation, right? So not a great pitch for uh, legal fees and big law firms, I suppose, but it really did force me to start looking at, hey, are there opportunities in-house that will allow me, especially in labor and employment, to really help people or help employees and, and help employers to to, uh, to to handle some of these issues in-house and make sure that employees are happy and that employers are happy and that everyone is is getting along and in alignment in a way that doesn't lead to burnout, dissatisfaction, lawsuits, and, you know, it, it, things that just don't move the business forward. Awesome. And so today we're talking about providing a safe workforce environment and really looking at this debate around employees getting vaccinated, what does that look like? And for you being the head of HR at a gym and fitness franchise, I believe that puts you square in the middle of this conversation since you're managing a workforce that primarily 
will interact with a lot of people. Right. Right. And I think we are coming to U.S. Fitness. We're uniquely positioned to provide feedback on this topic because we in retail leisure hospitality space, right? So last year, we were very eager to reopen the clubs and we wanted to continue serving our communities and providing them with health and fitness opportunities. And so because so much of our workforce, 90% of it works in these health centers and health clubs, we really needed to get the clubs open and get our employees back to work, right? And so this was well before there was a vaccine even available. So we really spent a lot of time and effort last spring, you know, as early as late March, coming up with ideas and ways that would get employees back into the workforce and we didn't have vaccines available, right? So and some of the things that we found I, that really helped, you know, I think things that probably people will say, yeah, we're familiar kind of, you know, whether it's plexiglass partitions and signage, um, internal marketing, messaging and communications, air filtration systems, providing masks, requiring a mask mandate, all of those things were there, but I'll have to say, Bruce, and what I'm hoping maybe to really kind of talk about today, what I've found to be the most helpful policy or initiative that we rolled out last year was that we created a centralized COVID-19 intake team, uh, that we took it off of the shoulders of managers and supervisors and said, Hey, like if you have an employee that has been exposed to COVID-19 or thinks they may have been exposed or thinks they're experiencing symptoms rather than you and the employee trying to parse through the best thing to do and what is appropriate in this situation, go ahead and contact the centralized number of trained COVID-19 intake officers who are going to go through a quick Q&A with you, investigate, do a questionnaire so we can get all of the information that we need to not only track the cases of COVID-19, but to give you the best advice. And also a lot of that time that led to quarantine, right? It led to um, having employees who maybe had been exposed to COVID-19 or who were experiencing symptoms removed them from the workforce, gave them permission to, to, to have, um, you know, a, a quarantine period or isolation period at home where they didn't need to worry about their jobs. And it, and it took the responsibility off of the manager, right? And so we had this centralized team that was doing it. And I would say by far, that was one of our more successful initiatives and what I really think led to really helping prevent the spread of COVID-19 among our employees, members, and guests. You know, I have to be honest, Bruce, we had, you know, like I think less than a 1.5 percentage of our employees who uh, contracted or were diagnosed with COVID-19 uh, in, in, in 2020. So um, and, and, and including January of 2021. And, you know, before you call me and say, well, how do you know that data was correct? You know, we provided two weeks of paid leave for any employee who had been diagnosed with COVID-19. So I have to believe that there was at least a bit of incentive for employees to contact us so that I would like to think that the data is pretty solid. Got it. Thanks for providing all that info. And I also want to take this time to do a timestamp. Sure. Just so people know what's going on in the world and where we are as they're listening to this conversation. And so for all of you listening, today is May 20th, 2021. And so if you listen to this three or six months after this comes out, the laws will probably be totally different and we probably will be in a totally different world <laughs> from where we are today. But with that being said, what is the sentiment of the general sentiment and feeling of your gym members, the people who are actually going and working out? 
are you getting requests from the members saying, yes, we want our train, the trainers or your employees to wear masks? Are you getting people demanding, so to speak, that your employees be vaccinated? vaccinated? What does that look like? You know, I would say we have not seen an overwhelming demand either way. Of course, throughout the past year, we... It, we, we saw the full spectrum, right? Some members and guests who wanted to be able to work out without wearing a mask. Um, and of course, it varied by state and jurisdiction, uh, whether or not you had to wear a mask when you were exercising. So it's all a lot of that, right? Well, if I'm exercising, I don't need to wear a mask. Why should I have to wear a mask when I'm checking in or, or moving through departments? So that was, you know, one, one side of the coin that we uh, addressed and, and, and tried to accommodate members in that space. But then also you had members who were on the other side who we're really concerned about is there enough mask wearing and why aren't people wearing their mask even when they're doing cardio or performing and we want to see more uh, members in mask. And I will say we were quite fortunate, I think, because our industry, in order to reopen and keep people gainfully employed, we had to take our protocols so serious. So I would say that on the on most fronts, we were really fortunate with employee compliance and mask wearing. It, was, it just wasn't a, a huge mountain for us to climb. We provided masks to all employees and, you know, it, it, it was just a mandate, you know. And so I think it's only been, you know, you did the timestamp here in May. It's only been within, you know, the past few weeks of May where we're starting to kind of hear from employees like, okay, it's, CDC has changed the guidelines. States are lifting the mask mandates. When can we take our mask off at work? So it's really just um, come up. And I will say we haven't heard a lot about members or guests, you know, demanding that our employees are vaccinated. You know, I think and, you know, of course, I think they're just like in the nation, you know, U.S. fitness, we're a microcosm of what you see going out and generally across the United States is that. You have on the one hand, you know, people who are very adamant about everyone needs to be vaccinated. Let's, you know, get everyone vaccinated as soon as possible. And then people who don't believe in vaccines at all. And like anything else, I would say that most of our members have have fell somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah, it would be great if everyone were vaccinated, but I'm not going to try to be the enforcer or, you know, the mandate police on your employees or my other fellow members. Got it. So now I'm going to go back to the topic around creating a safe work environment without forcing employees to get vaccinated. And so this may be my own ignorance, but it it sounds like it's illegal to force employees to wear, or I'm sorry, to get vaccinated, correct? Well, it's not illegal. An employer can require it. They can mandate that in order for employees to continue employment, they need to, to be vaccinated. The issue with that is, is that you do need to allow for medical and religious uh, accommodations and exemptions. So for some, you know, a medically provided reason an employee can't get vaccinated or um, for a religious reason an employee can't get vaccinated, you do need to work through that process adhering to the, the law and guidelines and, you know, potentially look at, okay, some employees are just not going to be able to get vaccinated. So from a legal standpoint, yes, you can require it with exceptions. Interesting. But because you have to adhere to those exceptions, does it make it a zero-sum game where it's either everyone has to be forced to be vaccinated or don't force anyone to do it because there's always exceptions? 
Right. I think that's been a little bit of the rub for employers. Sure. Right. It's okay. You know, even if we require it, we're going to have to allow these, these exemptions Uh, for the most part, Bruce, I think where, you know, and it's to date, the general climate among employers seems to be that employers aren't requiring or mandating vaccines, especially in the private sector. And, and I think that's because it's, mo- it's, it's a perception issue with this employer providing a mandate of that decree. It's just not something typical that you see in the employer-employee relationship, right? You know, when, when you're looking at sort of a civil contract that people have out in society, it's just quite frankly, not the role that employers play. Um, you know, you usually see, you know, vaccines. And again, I'm not as well read on the, the vaccination history of how we beat, you know, polio and measles, mumps and rubella. But, you know, it really came down more from like government bodies, public sector, school systems, not so much private sector and employers. And, and it's a really difficult position to put employers in uh, to say, hey, look, we're, we're going to, you know, take up, we're going to bear this burden or we're going to be the enforcers of, of the vaccine mandates. Uh, it, it just is, uh, quite frankly, a, a position that makes a lot of employers in, in uncomfortable and employees as well. I was speaking with an HR leader the other day, and they were telling me that they were trying to figure out creative ways to incentivize their employees to take or get the vaccination. That could include paid time off. That could include more vacation days. I don't know if there was any monetary compensation that they were providing, but do you see anything wrong with that? And is that something that you also might implement at your organization as well? Yeah, so I think all of those are great ideas in terms of incentivizing employees to get the vaccine, you know, whether it be, you know, bonus cards or Amazon gift cards or time off or, hey, we're going to pay every employee who gets vaccinated a $50 or $75 bonus. I, to the extent that, you know, budgetary uh, guidelines and parameters allow you to do that, I think that is a great way. And I think it's, in fact, what we've seen most employers do is extending, you know, the carrot, not the stick. Um, You know, I think at U.S. Fitness, we've taken more of an approach of providing valuable information to employees through communications plans about the vaccine, where they're available, what the status of vaccines are in each of our markets. And as soon as that information would change, you know, quickly trying to digest it and, and translate it in a way that employees could understand it. Um, we really promoted the the Vaccine Finder site, uh, a, a government site, I think it was vaccinefinder.gov, you know, where you could literally just type in your zip code and then it would bring up, you know, all of the places where you could get the vaccine, which I think things that we've seen like that on the horizon just within the past few weeks have really helped, right? I don't know if you got involved very much, you know, in January or February when vaccines first came out, you know, but just to find a location that had a vaccine, it was, it was an arduous process. It was, you know, overrun websites that were, you know, <laughs> um, that had delays and you really had to pour some time online into finding sites. And so I think just getting information to employees about, hey, look, like that isn't the only route. Like there's these other things that have developed and that are out there to help you try to figure out the quickest way to get vaccinated. Interesting. When it comes to understanding the percentage of your workforce population that actually has been vaccinated, how do you go about that? Is there a survey? Does HIPAA require you or keep you from getting that from employee health and benefit records? 
How do you go about doing that? Right. So an employer can maintain records on vaccine status as long as it is, as you already suggested, HIPAA compliant. Um, the problem with that is that, you know, typically uh, a lot of HIPAA compliant uh, processes and channels at organizations aren't necessarily meant for <laughs> deployment to, you know, say we have 3,300 employees, right? Those processes and structures aren't meant to be going out to 3,300 people at one time and, hey, give us this information. They're more, you know, one-off channels that you deal with as it comes up as employees are having medical issues or need to discuss accommodations or, you know, FMLA protected leave. So I think a lot of employers have been challenged with, uh, you know, how do we begin to create a HIPAA compliance system that would allow us to gather that information from employees you know, we use a U.S. Fitness, uh, UKG is our HRIS provider, and they did provide a, a HIPAA compliant vaccine field, which is which is great. Um, we've been encouraging employees to identify their vaccine status if they feel so led and feel like they want to voluntarily provide that information. But we haven't been asking for, hey, scan your vaccine card <laughs> to this open source website. And, you know, so the employer can, can put it in a file that may or not be you know, protected and, and have the processary security mechanisms around it. Speaking of asking employees to update that field about vaccination, what's your process and method of communicating all of this information that's such a fast moving target to all of your employees? When you're reaching out to everyone at the individual gym level and role level about vaccinations and whether or not you're going to provide incentives, what does that look like? Is that HR distributing and communicating that information to everyone directly? Is it kind of whisper down the lane where it starts from HR and executive team and then it goes down down the ladder and so to all the managers of the different locations and then they communicate this information? What does that look like to you? Right, yeah, I think in when you're dealing with these matters, big picture matters where you're talking about a pandemic or, you know, a natural disaster, you know, that communication does, it is a top-down communication. And so for us, I think we, first of all, we at US Fitness really value, it's a HR operations partnership. Um, so when we're really going to be communicating, the first thing we do is we get alignment between those two departments, right? So the head of ops and the head of HR really kind of say, okay, this is the party line, this is the communication, and we're going to distribute it through a main line of communication, but also in any one-off conversations or other meetings that we're having, you know, this will be the the communication points that we focus on getting across. And then I think for us, you know, the email communication is one of the first tools that we use, and that typically comes from HR and can go to all employees or to managers of clubs or you know, as you suggested, a lot of times we'll do a cascade or a tier system where we'll, you know, have our VPs and regional directors on a call and deliver out a communication. And then the next stage we'll do um, general managers at each of the facilities. And then we'll follow that up with an all employee email, right? So that you have each line in, in the chain is, is, is informed and everyone's on, on the same page and, and delivering the same message. And I, you know, and then we, one of the things that we learned from the pandemic, Bruce, is that we really needed to perfect and develop out our internal comms system. So, um, you know, between kind of the emails that we were doing and we do a monthly employee newsletter and we have a, a learning management system that serves as the intranet site. 
it was really just saying, okay, look, that those are all great, but we need other ways to reach our employees. We have to make sure that managers are better informed so they can handle one-on-one conversations. And we're just starting to look at, okay, we need to address that a lot of our workforce is no longer interested in email, right? <laughs> it's no longer interested in reading email. And so they want to communicate by text message. And so what does that look like? And so I, I think you've touched on something really interesting there. I think a lot of employers... Uh, certainly of our size or midsize or smaller are realizing, hey, we probably need to put some some development into our internal comms plans and our, our systems and processes. Got it. And then the last question that I want to ask you, Christy, is there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of laws, regulations, moving targets. For anyone who's listening to this interview and they're trying to figure out how to make sure that there are putting this in place the best way they can, what words of advice or wisdom would you give them in order to make sure that they're in the best place possible and that they're thinking about this as strategically as possible since this is such an important topic for every employer out there? Right. Absolutely. I think, you know, it, it depends on the size and structure of your HR department, right? So if you're an HR director of one and, you know, you're at a smaller um, business or a mid-sized business, but you really are wearing all of the hats and there's not necessarily someone you can delegate the responsibility to. I think you just have to have a conversation with your head of ops or your, your direct report and say, hey, look, you know, some of the goals and projects that we set out last year, or maybe some of the deadlines that we set and project goals, we're going to have to move those out. We're going to have to revise those a bit because I have to focus on what's happening in in the country with this pandemic right now, right? I need to give myself the time and space to research the laws and to, to figure out um, what where each of our localities and counties and cities is doing, right? And then I think from there it goes, if you're, you're fortunate enough to le- work on part of a larger HR team where maybe you're supervising directors or managers, you know, I think it is designating uh, a key person that will receive all of the information, right, in a centralized way. So for us, the centralized, 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 I think is my biggest piece of advice, rather than having um, decentralized multiple jurisdictions, you know, responsible for their own gathering of information and policy setting. And so I think for us, you know, we, we designated a key point, happened to be our director of talent management who took on the role of, hey, I will receive all of this information. I'll stay on top of the governor's orders and the mayor's orders and the CDC guidelines and OSHA changes. But you also need to understand because I'm going to be doing that for the next year, you know, it does mean that some of these other projects are not going to get the time and, and attention that they otherwise would have. And, you know, I, I think that's just something that the organizations have to, to realistically look at. Christy, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest on our podcast and sharing all your experience and wisdom around this such an important topic. Thank you. Woo! Christy! Well, thank you, Chris. This, is, this has been fun. It, it's interesting um, to hear how uh, we're all experts already, you know, after a year of dealing with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought? A lot going on. <laughs> So, Christy, where can people find you and U.S. Fitness online? Sure. We um, are one of one of our larger brands. We operate multiple health clubs, One Life Fitness, Sport and Health, and we have a few crunch locations in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So you can go to onelifefitness.com, sportandhealth.com, um, crunchfitness.com. 
any of those websites based on brands. You can Google any of those brands as well. And if you are interested in corporate office work uh, in the fitness company or, you know, kind of an executive role, we're always recruiting and looking for good talent. So uh, check us out on um, LinkedIn at US Fitness and usfitnesscareers.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all that contact info in the show notes. So if you enjoyed this episode as much as Christy and I did, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because it shows that you care. And if you want to throw in a little comment about something that you found interesting, we'd love to read it. Also, if this is your very first time listening to any of our interviews, and after listening to everything Christy had to say, you're now hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.